0: God has stuff for us here. Do you know God wants to speak to you today? Yes, he does. Amen. Our pastor and his wife are on a very much needed vacation. And so what would be north, someone here who's not directionally challenged? How? This way? North, stretch your hand that way. We're going to pray for our pastors. Father God, we thank you for Pastor Ronnie and Pastor Margaret. We thank you, Father God, that they continually pour over your people. And we ask, Father, that you would pour over them in this moment. I pray, Father, that you refresh them. I pray, Father, that you renew them. I pray, Father, that you rejuvenate them. And I pray, Father God, that they come back full of fire. I pray, Father God, that they come back, Father, with a word in due season for your body. I pray, Father God, that you complete your plan for this trip for them, Father God, be with them. Bless their socks off today, God, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get into the Word. You ready? Okay, one person's ready. Is anybody else? Anybody else? I'm telling you what, you're going to miss something if you're not ready because God's got something this morning. God is, all, is, God's cup is always full. Do you understand that? God doesn't have to think, well, what do I... What have I got to give them today? God always has something, amen, and I want to go after it. Come on, let's stand up and get into the Word. We're going to talk about Simon Peter this morning. Don't you just love it? While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders, all who... Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Today I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. This is when darkness reigns. Then, seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Peter replied about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed the Lord and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true and it is alive. And I thank you, Father, it is inescapable. I thank you, Lord, that your word pursues us, Father. I thank you, God, that, that your word does not return void. But Father, always, always accomplishes what you send it to do. So, Father, I ask that you send your word today. I pray, Father, that it take the scales off of our eyes. I pray, Father, that it open up deaf ears. I pray, Father, that it sharpen everything that has become dull. And I ask, Father God, that you renew a sense of purpose within the hearts of your people today, God. And I thank you that you are faithful to sustain us through it all. Let my stuff fall you your stand, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I so love this guy. I so love Peter because I so see so much of us in Simon's life, um, or I see so much of me in Simon's life, and I assume that this is you as well. Um, a lot of times with God, the, the way that the Word works, because it is a living Word and because it moves and it shifts, it is so good to have you guys back. Did you have a good retreat? Was God good? Amen. I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you, that you made it back in time to be here. Um, so often with the word of God, you see one picture on the surface, but God gives this panoramic vision of something that's taken place. So this passage of scripture that we just read, we generally put it in the context of and uh, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane asking uh, his, you know, The the people that came and took Jesus away. And we look at that picture, but there are so many other stories taking place in that particular scene. One of which is do you have that other scripture, Jill? The bottom one? Before any of this that we just read happened, this next, this first scripture takes place. We see this conversation take place between Jesus and Simon Peter. Peter before this evening, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So before we ever get into this scene, that scene takes place. And that scene sets up a Another story that is taking place in this picture that we just read. So while we are watching the soldiers come to take Jesus away, there is another story unfolding in the midst of that, and it is this one. Simon is beginning a sift. Simon is getting ready to be sifted by the enemy. Now, in, in me, my first question in something like that is, okay, number one, we understand why the enemy would ask to sift someone because the enemy hates you in case you don't know he's not ambivalent about you he doesn't um when he thinks about you he hates you he hates you the enemy does he hates you so don't be deceived into thinking that he tolerates you that he's just you know that he hasn't noticed you he has noticed you you bear the mark of his enemy He does notice you. but then So Satan comes and he asks if he can sift Peter. To me, the question is, well, why would you allow him to sift Peter? Why would you allow him to to sift Simon's life? And the thing that hit my spirit is knowing God's heart, as we know God's heart, there had to be a greater good. And I said, Lord, what did you see when you looked into this situation? Because if you get asked a question, you have the option of answering yes or no, wouldn't you think? So if if Satan asked, it seems that the option could have been, he could have said, yes, you can sift him. No, you may not. I prefer the no, you may not. But it doesn't always work that way. And I said, God, why did you allow that? And, And I said, what did you see when you looked at Peter that caused you to say yes? He said, I saw chaff. I saw the heart of what I had called Peter to do. And I saw something covering that heart that needed to be dealt with before Peter could go and accomplish the things that I needed him to do but see sift, uh to to sift there are two different processes in this when when wheat is sifted being sifted and the thing that that we see begin here is the uh threshing process that the enemy wanted to take. When when wheat is threshed, especially in the old days, when wheat was threshed, it would be put on a stone floor or a really hard floor or up against bricks, up against stones, whatever it was, and it would be beaten. And it would be crushed to a certain extent so that the chaff, the covering of the heart of the kernel would be removed. Okay, that was the threshing process. It does not sound pleasant to me. Personally, but you know what? It it can actually be one of the most marvelous experiences of your life when you hit that threshing floor with the Lord and he begins to do a work that only he can do and he begins to deal with what's going on in your life and you feel like you're never going to breathe again and you feel like you're never going to feel right again. You feel like your heart's going to be broken for a really, really long time, but God is healing you. God is healing you. And so this, uh, the second part of the process is once this chaff is removed, See, there is a certain amount of power in chaff. Do you understand? A kernel of wheat can have all the potential in the world. It can have the potential of fruitfulness. It can have the potential to nourish. It can have the potential to, to create after its own kind. It that that heart of that kernel, there's so much potential in it, but there's chaff around it. Now this chaff is just spiny and spindly. I don't know if you've ever held a grain of wheat in your hand, but it's almost translucent, almost transparent, and it's kind of crispy and crunchy, and it has a feather weight to it. And in this process, of uh, after the wheat is threshed and the chaff is loosened, there is a winnowing process that takes place where the wheat is lifted and it's tossed into the air. This is in the old, ways, it's tossed into the air, and any breeze, any amount of wind will blow the chaff away. And they'll toss it a few times with the wind blowing. And the thing that strikes me about this is that one thing, that chaff that held captive the potential of the heart of the wheat, is so small and insignificant, it can be blown away by the wind. And some of you have things in your life that have held you back. Some things that have literally surrounded your heart and they seem weighty and they seem pressing and they seem like they're going to keep you back from everything that God has for you. But when God's wind begins to blow, I want you to understand that it's going to look so small and insignificant to you. God's going to give you a revelation of how small that thing was that has held you captive your whole life. And when he does, talk about some rejoicing going on because this is what... Now, uh, Satan says, okay, I want want to sift him, and that's what we see begin to take place in Peter's life. Now, it's not always going to be like this in your life, but it has the potential to be like this. So I'm just going to show you what I see in the Scripture, and and you weigh your own life and go, God, am I being sifted? The very first thing we see take place is that um, Jesus has asked them, could you tarry with me? He goes into the garden to pray. He asks the disciples, will you just watch and pray? Will you watch and pray? Three times he comes back to find them sleeping. Three times he comes back to find them sleeping. The very first warning sign I believe that you should be aware of when uh, that there may be a sifting process going on in your life is that you become dull You stop paying attention to the things that you once paid attention to. It says they didn't keep watch. They weren't keeping watch. What does that mean? It means they went to sleep. And some of us have gone to sleep spiritually. We've gone to sleep those things that we used to be keen about. Those things that used to trigger us. You know, oh no, no, no. We used to be... The best analogy i can use of being keen in the spirit is if you take this this fingernail and you just rip it off into the quick about a quarter of an inch and how you feel everything i mean on one little finger you will feel everything and see i believe that we need to be quickened in our spirits so that we begin to feel what's going on. So that we be be awake and watch and see and call out these things not to be asleep. Now how wonderful it is of God that God, I, I, I love what Jesus does here. He goes to them the first time and he says, and he finds them sleeping. And he asks, you know, are you asleep don't you know that my, my heart is just consumed? That I'm, that I'm overwhelmed with grief and I'm overwhelmed with sorrow? And they sleep. Then the second time he goes to them and he says, are you, he, actually he speaks specifically to Simon Peter. He says, Simon, are, are you still sleeping? You need to watch and pray because the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And then the third time he goes back and he says, are you sleeping? Are you still sleeping? It's finished. The time has come. And see, I think God has this mercy about him. He comes to us the first time. He comes to us just like he did to the disciples in hopes that our love for him will motivate us toward obedience. Because he says, my heart is breaking. I am overwhelmed with sorrow. He's been weeping tears of blood. And he says, can you not just watch with me? Can you not just tarry with me? But their love for him could not motivate them past their own drowsiness. But in his mercy, he comes in and he does something that is so like God. Knowing our hearts and knowing that we are motivated so often by how it affects us he speaks to Peter and he says, watch and pray that that you wouldn't enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He touches a place that goes, Peter, you will receive benefit if you will watch and pray. There is a protection that will come if you will watch and pray. How like God to, to first go, do you love me? Will you do it just because you love me? And when we don't respond for him to go, and it will help you too. Because we're so motivated by what we need and what we want and what's right for us. How much harder do you pray when the need is in your family? I mean, when you get a prayer request over the prayer chain that we've all promised to be a part of, do you glance at it and say, oh, Lord, just just bless them? Or do you get on your face and you pray for them? Like if that was your child, if that was your baby, the, the thing I sent out this week, my mom's church, they had a couple that had prayed for a baby forever. Just prayed for a child, prayed for a child. She finally carried a child to term. Three weeks old, they get up in the morning and it's died in it's sleep. The very next day, she calls and one of the couples that um, have just had a baby. They've just flown it to Vanderbilt. They don't think it, the baby's going to make it. When those prayer requests go out, that ought to put us on our faces. We ought to be travailing like that's our brothers and sisters because it is. You know, but God in his mercy says, Peter, pray. You know, will you pray because you love me? Will you watch because it'll help you? And when nothing motivates them, finally Jesus said, it's okay. It's done. The time, it's time. It's time. All of us are going to reach a place in our life where God says It's time. It's time. And so I love that. I love that God will reach wherever he needs to reach in order to try and get our attention. He's that good. He's that merciful. but, but But Peter's dull and he's asleep. And the very next thing he does, guys, if you have stopped being attentive to the things that you were once attentive to, you might be being sifted. If you are... No longer keen in the spirit. You're no longer awake. You're no longer hearing his heart. Hearing his heart. Be careful. Be careful that you're not being sifted. The second thing we find, and I find this part so humorous, is he goes from being dull into the very next scene. what we see is that the disciples going, here, here come the soldiers. Should we draw our swords? Should we draw our swords? And they jump into battle. To me, what this scene is, is, you know, when somebody calls your house and you're sound asleep on the sofa drool coming out the side of your mouth and, you know, your hair's over, not that this has ever happened to me, and and you are literally, like, you know, visiting universes, <laughs> you know, in your slumber, and the phone rings, and you jump, you know, and the person on the other line goes, oh, were you asleep? No, I was mowing the yard. No. And I don't know what it is that makes us not want to let people know we were sound asleep on the sofa. It's like, no, I'll call you later. I'm tired. But there's something in us that has to present this bravado. No, 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 no. I don't sleep. I'm superhuman. And, and see, that's what happens right here. Right here, I believe that's what happens. Jesus said, it's finished, here they come. And I believe Peter jumps up out of his slumber and he says, should we draw our swords? And I can't imagine that his sword isn't already drawn. Should we draw our swords? And without waiting for an answer from Jesus, he cuts off a man's ear. Now, let me tell you something. Peter wasn't aiming for the ear. (laughs) Peter had just awakened from a slumber, and that's what happens when you have been asleep spiritually and you head into a battle. You have no aim. You have no direction because all you're doing is swinging a sword haplessly, and Jesus is behind you going, oh, I'm sorry. Here, let me put that back. Here, there you go. Let me fix that for you. I mean, really? (laughs) Oopsie. Um, And Jesus is walking behind us because we we think that we got to prove to somebody that, yes, I'm wide awake spiritually. I just almost killed that man. But we go from being dull to dangerous. Sporadic acts of obedience do nobody any good. And sporadic acts of passionate disobedience definitely do no one any good. And see, the thing about this moment in time is that the poor dude, Malchus, who got his ear cut off, he was more in line, in my opinion, with the will of God in that moment than Peter was. Because he had come under the authority of the high priest. He was doing what the high priest had told him to do. He didn't go in, you know, ready to fight. He went in to do what his chain of command had told him to do. But see, Peter... Didn't even wait for an answer. This passage of Scripture shows him cutting off an ear before Jesus even responds to the question, should we draw our swords? And isn't that like us? Isn't that like us? When we become dull in spirit, we're no longer sharp, we can't hear his voice, but we assume what he would want in this moment is for us to kill that. And see, God, Jesus says, enough of this. Enough of this. Do you understand that Jesus does not need you to defend him? Now, see, that doesn't sit real well with us because we are so used to jumping up and getting defensive and, well, God is this and God is that. He doesn't need you to defend him. He needs you to love him and live a life worthy of your calling. And in that, bring him glory. Show people who he is instead of trying to articulate who you think he is that's smart guys. I can't tell you who Jesus is, but oh, I can show you who he is. I can tell you what he's done. I can tell you what he's like. I don't need to defend him. He's a big God, but we get dangerous when we go from a sound sleep into a battle. I believe that in between sleep and battle, there needs to be a season of obedience. And if you have been asleep at the wheel for a while, and you know, if it's you, You know if you have, where you just kind of, let me describe this for you. You leave your house, you're driving, and the next thing you're really consciously aware of is that you are in Laverne, and you meant to go to Murfreesboro. (laughs) But your cell phone's in your hand, and you had a really good conversation while you missed all your turns. Or you leave your house, and all of a sudden you're where you're supposed to be, and you can't remember quite how you got there. You put the car on autopilot because you've done it a million times. And you have put your spirit on autopilot because you think you have done this a million times. And you're missing the journey. You're missing the journey. And we become dull, we become dangerous, and we get disobedient. I mean, when we are disobedient, we become a danger to the body of Christ. Do you know that? Because we are so full of good intentions that break people's hearts. We are so full of words for other people, but we can't obey our own. And we become dangerous. The next thing we see him do is so typical of us. You know, you have to imagine that perhaps, even though Peter was, you know, in that moment, he cut the guy's ear off. Number one, it was a failure. He was going for the head, you know. And he's thinking, man, all of my buddies are going to think I don't know how to wield this sword. Maybe not. Maybe so, But... He's in this moment and he's already, he knows that what he's done wasn't right because otherwise Jesus wouldn't have gone and healed it. And he has this moment. Do you know that sometimes when you get embarrassed in the spirit, sometimes when you're you're not seeing the fruit you think you should or you've been asleep or you've been disobedient, what do we do? We start doing this. We start dis- distancing ourselves. You know, I'll go to church, but I'll just blend in and, and I'll stay back and And you're here, but you're not here. And you just distance yourself from the body of Christ. You distance yourself from what he's doing. And let me tell you something, guys. When the lions attack, they don't head for the midst of the herd, they see lunch in the straggler. The one that's running off by itself. The one that's, you know, at the back. And and here's the deception of the enemy. The deception of the enemy tells you, oh, you just need some time away. You just need some time away. You just need to back off. You You just need this. And all of a sudden, you get further and further and further away. And then you become prey. You become prey, and the enemy starts attacking like a lion. The enemy begins to come for you, and you blame the body of Christ for not being there for you. Well, they didn't cover me. We couldn't find you. They didn't help me. We didn't know you were in trouble. See, as much as I would love to be clairvoyant, I'm not. If you don't tell me that you're hurting, if you don't tell me that you have need, I don't know. And I'm still going to miss it. I'm still going to miss it sometimes. Sometimes I'm not going to show up at the hospital when I should. And sometimes things are going to happen that I know that I let you guys down. But God will never let you down. And if, if I can't help you, I'll find somebody that can help you. You know, we need to stay connected in the spirit. It's too important. He began to distance himself. And when you distance yourself, the enemy does what the enemy does. It says that Peter uh, remained at a distance and he watched as they went and they built a fire and they all began to camp around it. And he stayed at a distance. And this was when the testing came here. And you can just see the enemy sifting. You can just see the enemy sifting. And, and they say, you knew he was with them. He was with them. And Peter says, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. And see, up until that moment, everything about Peter's life had been about Christ. From the time that he was called until this moment, it had been about his friends. It had been about these brothers that had been given to him in Christ. It had been about following Christ, becoming a part of what he was doing. He was in the middle of the miracles. He was standing smack dab in the middle of amazing. In all of these things, that was his life. That was life as Peter knew it. But yet he's standing right here and they said, do you know him? And he said, I don't know him. Now can you even imagine what that does to the soul of a man? Can you even imagine what that did to Peter? Do you imagine when he said, I don't know him. Can't you imagine that his spirit sunk on the inside of him? And then they come back and say, But you were with them. And he says, I don't know what you were talking about. And his spirit drops a little bit more. And then finally... The woman comes back. An hour he's been sitting on this, knowing that twice he's denied his best friend, twice he has he's denied everything that he knew to be true, everything of value in his life. And then there's another opportunity given to him. One hour later, he sat with this in his spirit. And that she says, certainly you were with him. And he says, woman, I don't know what you're talking about. And as soon as the words came out of his mouth, the rooster crowed. But see, that's not the end of it. See, somehow when we enter into these situations in our life where we deny Him, maybe we don't do it with our our lips. Maybe we do it with our actions. Maybe we do it with our inaction. And we deny Him and we deny who we are in Him and stand against those things. And somehow in this picture, in our picture and in Peter's picture, somehow we picture that they have taken Jesus inside and that they are now dealing with Jesus. And Peter is out in the courtyard with these people and they're having a conversation. And and he's saying these things because Jesus can't hear what he has to say. But then we find in this passage of scripture, here he is. I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not with them. The rooster crows, and the scripture says, and Jesus turned and looked him in the face. Jesus turned and looked him in the face. He was there. He was there in the midst of the denial. He was there in the midst of the betrayal. And I cannot help but think that had to be the most devastating moment in the life of Peter. To know that this one who had done everything for him had stood witness to his denial. Had to break his heart. It actually says that Peter, when Jesus turned and looked him full face, looked him in the face, it says, Peter ran out and he wept bitterly. Uh, it's kleopikros is the kind of weeping that he did. And it's the only time in all of scripture that this word is used. It's the only time that this passage is used. It says it was a weeping beyond mourning. It was a weeping beyond grief. It was a weeping that tore at him, that pierced him all the way through to the point that he emitted a perfume to God. In his weeping, in this thing, so much was broken, so much was shattered. Everything he thought he knew about himself had been stripped away, who he thought he was. But see, God had had taken that moment to go, God, Peter, there is chaff around your heart. There is fear in you. There is a fear that, that I'm going to require something of you that you can't pay, that I'm going to do that. But in that moment, when he looked in Jesus face, I believe he found a love worth dying for. I believe he found a love and a compassion. I don't think Jesus looked at him in accusation. I don't think he looked at him in anger. I think he looked into the face of Christ and he saw acceptance and forgiveness. And he saw a love and a passion, something in Jesus that would cause him to let it all fall and go wherever you go now lord if whatever they do to you they can do to me anywhere i will go with you he had said it before he meant it now his heart went there and see here's the beautiful thing the enemy may come and he may ask to sift you like wheat but the enemy only knows half the story the enemy only knows half of the story because according to scripture, he might be able to, to thresh you. You want to come, Pastor Wayne? He might be able to, to begin the threshing. He might be able to put you through the threshing process and, and, and that chaff be stripped away. But according to scripture and according to the book of Matthew, only God can winnow. Only God, it says he has a winnowing fork in his hand and he goes to the threshing floor and he begins to separate the wheat from the chaff. See, only God gets the final say in this process. Whatever the enemy might have intended for harm in your life, some of you have let him down. Some of you have... have You've broken your heart and you've broken his heart in the process. You have been there. You have been dull. You have been asleep. You have walked through those places. You've hurt people. You've hurt people because you weren't hearing his voice. It wasn't intentional. And see, God is going, I want to come to a place. I want this to come to a place where I get the final say in this process. I am going to separate this chaff from your life. And when I do, you're going to find release in your life. You're going to become what God called you to become. Hal and I were talking in between services. See, the beautiful thing about God is he always finishes what he starts. He always completes the picture. And where Jesus denied him three times, what we find is later on, see, Peter denied him by a fire. With the smell of smoke in his nostrils, Peter denied him by the fire. Three times he denied him. And what we find is later after the crucifixion when Jesus comes back, again by a fire, by the side of the water, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. I love you. And everywhere that Peter fell, every failure, everything that he let go, every time his spirit sunk, God used to elevate him in the spirit. God finishes what he starts. He is the only one that can winnow because it is his breath that blows away the chaff in your life. Amen. Only God can do this. So let's have some prayer warriors down here. Now, if you have been in a sifting process, can we do it? He's all over. You are all over, all over. If you feel like you are somewhere in this sifting process, or if you feel like the heart of the grain of your life has somehow been captured and you haven't yet been released into what God has for you, I want you to come. Can everybody stand? And we're just going to declare He is here. He is all over and God wants to set you free this morning into your destiny. God wants to deal with everything that's held you back. Everything, those small inconsequential things that the enemy has convinced you are huge and weighty. They're not. Your enemy's a liar. Your God tells the truth. Amen. Amen. So we are going to worship. If you don't want prayer with these, you are welcome to find a piece of altar and just begin to worship him through this process because he is all over. He is all over. when we were singing something's moving something's changing I felt like the Lord said will you tell them as a prophetic act to stand in the gap for somebody in your life who needs a breakthrough somebody in your life that you have been praying for that you have been standing for there's an anointing today for you to stand in that gap for them know that and and to begin to say, God, in their life, something is moving. God, in their life, God, something is changing. In their life, God, I'm praying for thunder. I'm praying for lightning. I'm praying for the miraculous in their lives and to stand in that gap for them this morning. That's available too. We need some more prayer warriors. Who is Gary, Rena? Can you guys come and pray with people, please? Carol and Carrie, can you guys come pray with people? Father, we bless you. God, you are so faithful. Father, thank you for your mercies, for your goodness. Oh, Father, for your watch care. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We worship you, Lord. We bless you. this morning your blessing should you choose to accept it may we have God encounters that change us that shift us that call us up in the spirit Father may there become less of us and more of you God I pray Father that you complete this winnowing process In our lives, Father God, I thank you, God, that you have the final word. I thank you, Father, that you always finish what you start. And I thank you that though I feel like I'm being shaken, though I feel like I'm being threshed, though I feel like I'm against a hard place, you, God, get the final word. And I bless you, Father, because you have the authority to separate the wheat from the chaff. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen hug somebody before you leave.